Hello and welcome, friends, family, and of course, enemies alike, to episode 101 of Reading Cadence. I am your host, the displaced Wisconsinite, Phil Olson. Now, for this week, I chose this subject on rest, sleep, and relaxation, because how many of you are tired right now? Uh, if you responded verbally or raised your hand, this is the chapter for you. And let me tell you, he kind of drops a bombshell at the end that just kind of gloss over if you don't pay attention. So listen to the end of this chapter's reading. But uh, for now, he does provide some very helpful tips to getting more restful and sleepful nights. <laughs> and so let us begin. Daily Training by E.F. Benson and Eustace H. Miles. Chapter 7. Sleep, Rest, and Relaxation. The late Sir Andrew Clark once said that he never knew anyone die from insomnia, though he knew of many who had died from trying to cure it. To a man who really suffers from insomnia, perhaps this is but a doubtful consolation, but in any case, the latter half of this great doctor's remark is valuable, for probably more poison is taken to remedy insomnia, and on the whole, with worse results than in the alleviation of any other disease which flesh is heir to. Drugs, especially narcotics, are the most dangerous things in the world to play with, since so many, if taken at all continuously, almost necessitate a gradual increase in quantity. Besides, the morphia habit, or any habit of that sort, is frankly the clutch of the fiend, and it would be infinitely better to die of insomnia, were it possible, than be dragged down to that particular hell. But it is not of these martyrs, whose case is one for doctors, who will most likely be unable to help them, but of the ordinary man who may perhaps not be a regularly good sleeper, and of those who are habitually good sleepers, that we propose to speak. People who sleep well, and know nothing about other forms of rest, may perhaps find certain things here said fantastic, but the problem of rest is just as fascinating as the problem of energy, and curious though it sounds, rest can be induced and improved even by exercises. Broadly, then, rest and recuperation, which is equivalent to the act of gathering energy and is necessary to the employment of it, may come in three fairly distinct ways, either by sleep or mere quiescence, or by intentional and definite relaxation. The two first are purely natural, being the instinctive demands of the brain and body after a period of activity. The third is, at first anyhow, an artificial rest, to be had always at command, and demanding more than mere quiescence to induce it. To take sleep first, it should be in a condition as automatic as breathing, but by its very nature, 
by the fact that in order to arrive at it, both body and mind must pass into and through a quiescent state so that the condition of unconsciousness may naturally come, it has many more foes than the mere taking and expelling of breath. A severe pain in the foot, or any remote organ of the body, will make sleep difficult, if not impossible, until exhaustion has come, whereas such a pain would not in any way prevent breathing, or, again, any anxiety or tension of mind will hinder sleep. Continued pain, of course, results in bodily exhaustion, continued anxiety in the corresponding exhaustion of the mind, the inability to think longer, but these are rather special causes of sleeplessness, which are responsible for a comparatively small percentage of those patients, for they are no less, who habitually sleep badly, either finding difficulty in getting to sleep, or awaking at timeless hours, or awaking not to sleep again in very early hours of the morning. These, the one can class all under the general heading of bad sleepers, are divisible into at least two distinct classes, while insomnia may arise from very different causes. Certain general rules apply to everyone in the regulation of the bedroom, and though confirmed bad sleepers may scoff at the notion of furniture and bed gear having anything to do with their own particular thorn in the flesh, it will at any rate be harmless for them to know how a bedroom can be regulated in order to give the best possible conditions. In the first place, then, mere stuffiness of a room will be often quite sufficient to wake an ordinarily good sleeper, and if continued, to get him into the habit of sleeping badly. If the air in a room gets exhausted of its oxygen, he will, during sleep, breathe through his mouth as well as his nostrils, the lungs rebelling against their starvation. This continued for several hours will by the consequent dryness of mouth and throat and the discomfort ensuing upon it be quite sufficient to wake him, wake him thoroughly, that is to say, with a sense of uneasiness amounting to positive discomfort. A proper bedroom, therefore, should be incapable of stuffiness. That is to say, a window should always be open, and the room be as free as possible from curtains and carpets. No doubt, the absence of them, of carpet anyhow, affects the stuffiness of a room only in a very small degree. But it has its value in this way, that the air is far freer from dust, which is an important point. If for eight hours or so out of every 24, you are breathing that air. But it is true that the influx of light in the early morning tends to wake some people, and the absence of curtains lets in light. For this, there are two remedies, both equally simple. Have blinds of the ordinary dark blue stuff, which quite effectually excludes light, or better, pass a couple of nights, three or four perhaps, in which you are awakened by light. After that, you will fail to notice it, 
and one of the present writers, who for years thought he must awake when light came in, found after doing so once only that it made not the slightest difference, and he who carefully drew curtains and had the position of a strange bed altered so as to be away from the light, has now often awoke when called in a blaze of sunshine. He is, therefore, you will conjecture, a naturally good sleeper. Naturally, no. <laughs> that is to say, in early life he was a persistently bad one, who used to adopt all kinds of means to go to sleep, of which presently. But for the last six years, his record is this. He has, as far as he remembers, through good and ill report, through such anxieties as are inseparable from life itself, through one attack of typhoid fever and two of influenza, in spite of hard work up till the time of going to bed, in fact, particularly then, since he finds he works best when the small hours begin to grow bigger. Laying awake for never more than one complete hour on three occasions. Once, he had coincidentally a bad cold. On the other two occasions, he failed then and fails now to account for so extraordinary a proceeding. All told, then, in six years, he has been awake for three solid hours when he meant to be asleep. Otherwise, he extinguishes his light and is called. Now, the secret of this is, as far as he knows, the complete conviction that he is going to sleep. A conviction not expressed at all, but an acquired instinct Yet he does not. He says all this at the risk of being accused of egotism, but hoping it may be useful. Bother about the matter at all. Once he used to bother about it, that he was in the days when he slept rather badly. Now he does not. Nor does he go to bed in the hopes of going to sleep. He does not go to bed till he feels instinctively again that it is time. Thirdly, if he has gone to bed early and is not going to be called till after he has had his fill of sleep, this is rare since he is a glutton at it, he instantly reads or gets up instead of trying to go to sleep again, which in itself would do no harm. Or instead of wondering why he has awoke, this would do harm, for it partakes of the nature of bothering about it. He avoids sleep during the day. This also he thinks is crucial. And if he feels sleepy, sleepy not to be compared with inclined to rest, he gets up and does something. To return for a moment to his bedroom. The windows are open. There is no carpet. He has blankets which vary according to the time of the year. But whatever the time of year, he has an extra thickness over his feet. In his rare moments of semi-consciousness, he sometimes, this is towards morning, always when the world is coldest, draws the extra covering over him, and without really waking, sleeps again. He also invariably goes to sleep on his right side 
and invariably wakes lying on his left. We have spoken about this enviable slumberer at some length, because he seems instinctively to have got hold of, no credit to him, some of the points which will be of use to the moderately bad sleeper, whose condition, we maintain, is wrong. If sleep is required, it is as pitiable not to get it as to not be able to eat without indigestion when hungry. If sleep is not required, it is as foolish to try to induce it as to eat when one is not hungry, also with the indigestion. But, to draw the lesson from this enviable slumberer, though much that he does would murder sleep like Macbeth, witness his odious habit of working immediately before going to bed, still much that he does is sensible. Preeminently sensible, for instance, is his acquired habit of not bothering about it for the wondering whether one is going to go to sleep, in as many cases quite sufficient to keep one awake. Go to bed, assuming naturally, not with insistence, for that would spoil it all, that you are going to sleep, or to use a phrase from hypnotism, make the suggestion that you are. You will not succeed in capturing this attitude the first time you try, nor yet the second, but before long, you probably will. Probably, also, when you have done so, you will become a good sleeper. But if this fails, what then? You will lie awake, that is all, and you will not die of it. But if you fret about it, you will lose all the benefit of the act of resting, which is very great. To lie still with twitching nerves, agonizing for sleep, will not only not bring sleep, but it will deprive you of rest. You lie awake, be it so, at any rate, rest. Here, innumerable complications enter. You may think it is a noise that is keeping you awake. Someone who ought to be in bed is moving about directly above you. Do not get irritated and think over the biting things you will say tomorrow. The morrow will take care of itself. Supposing there was a gale blowing, you would acquiesce in the natural law, and in consequence would go to sleep sooner because you are not irritated. And irritation, it must be remembered, should be wholly within our control. In this case, to get it in control is an essential preliminary to sleep. While you are cross, you will not sleep. Therefore, cease to be cross. A greater distraction would calm your irritation. Let the desire for calmness calm it. Of great mental anxiety as a cause of insomnia, or of great physical pain, it is not our purpose to speak, for these are exceptional cases. But the ordinary person must, with an effort, until the act becomes automatic, put out of his mind when he goes to bed all interesting things if he wishes to become a good sleeper. He must at first anyhow, having definitely told himself that he is going to sleep, consciously let his mind dwell on monotonous affairs. Sheep going through a gap in a hedge is a recognized soporific and no doubt an excellent one, only he must be absorbed not in each sheep, 
but in the stupefying multitude of them. Similarly, he may try to mark out a lawn tennis court with as few possible liftings of the marking machine, without, of course, going over any line twice. Or he may say over and over again some passage of poetry or some familiar form of words, which should be short so as to procure the benefit of the tedious effect of mere senseless repetition. But, after he has wasted time, for these things are a waste of time if one wants to go to sleep, in this manner he must take into consideration methods even more simple than these. Cold feet. The least feeling of hunger will easily, especially in a nervous person, induce sleeplessness. If such causes are present, then additional covering and some easily digestible food, biscuits, fruit, etc., will probably relieve him. Again, washing the face in cold water, also an awakening process, tends to send the blood anywhere but to the brain, which is desirable. A hot water bottle to the feet serves the same object. Or again, failure of digestion is a common cause of sleeplessness. If there is a chance of this being the cause, drink hot water before going to bed, or cold water with a little bicarbonate of potash. Considering the incalculable benefit which a habit of sleep produces, we do not feel ashamed to write down aids, however tiny to produce it, for that it is largely a habit is beyond question, and as a habit, it is one of the entirely healthy habits. It is essentially good. But the contrary habit, that of lying awake, though largely remediable, is not fatal, and its ill effects are immeasurably neutralized if the will is steadily exerted toward the grasp of that truth. To lie awake, fretting that one cannot go to sleep, is distinctly bad. To lie awake, if no remedy short of drug drinking will cure it, does not appreciably matter so long as one accepts rest as the best possible substitute. A different variety of sleeplessness is that which attacks the sufferer early in the morning, say three or four hours before he wishes to get up. For this, a somewhat heroic remedy may be tried, since it is always possible that natural awakening may mean one thing, namely, that you have had enough sleep. Therefore, it may be worthwhile, just once or twice, to try the effect, if you are really brought awake, of getting up instead of encouraging yourself to wake early again by letting this early waking dwell on your mind. You will probably be very tired the next evening. You may even, in this case the remedy is clearly futile, be too tired to sleep. But it may easily happen that you will sleep that night exceedingly well and wake at a normal time again. But if again, and yet again, you continue to wake early, it is no use persisting in this treatment, or you may awake, as stated before, owing to the airlessness of your room, and the fact that you have been breathing with an open mouth, or, and this is probably a frequent cause of early awakenings, you may be engaged for weeks or months together on some absorbing occupation. 
You sleep at first because tired and sleep deeply. But as the hours go by, the sleep becomes lighter. And before your body regains consciousness at all, that strange part of the brain, the subliminal self or the subconscious self, is awake and begins thinking, gradually arousing the rest of you of the engrossing occupation. Soon, the whole brain is awake, and by the subconscious self is reminded, as it were, of the business. Then, having once begun thinking about it, it is difficult for you to regain that passivity which is invariably the prelude to sleep, though it need be scarcely more than instantaneous. It is here that the cause of sleeplessness and its remedy, we believe, largely lie, for it is within the power of all to put themselves into the control, more or less complete, of their subconscious self and develop the power of the subconscious self until it becomes a real potency. To take an example, how constantly does it happen that after wrestling with some mental difficulty or trying to remember some name which one knows well, one by instinct dismisses the subject, to find in a few minutes that the difficulty is solved, or the name recollected. That is probably the work of the subconscious part of the brain. In the same way, many people can wake themselves at any hour they wish by telling their subconscious brain that this is what it comes to, to call them. They go to sleep, having ordered their subconscious self to call them, and at the appointed hour, it may be long before light, something inside them, which apparently knows the time, wakes the rest of the sleeping brain and body. And with a little training and practice, the power of developing and using the subconscious brain increases very quickly. We believe that many early wakers could sleep comfortably on by saying that they would not awake till a certain hour. One does not need violence or internal shouting, as it were, to communicate effectually with this subconscious self. A quiet determination of thought for a few moments before going to sleep does the work effectually. This also is invaluable to many who have found that going to sleep when getting into bed was difficult. One has to take it for granted that one is going to sleep and cease to think about it. Emptying the brain of conscious thought as far as may be. You cannot go to sleep in a rage until the rage has given place to exhaustion. To sum up then, both for those who find it difficult to go to sleep and for those who wake early, the following hints are recommended. 1. Do not load your brain with interesting stuff just before going to bed. This will both prevent your going to sleep and will also tend to wake you up. Try reading a stupid book for a few minutes after getting into bed. 2. Have as much air as possible in the room, and wear the minimum of bed clothing that keeps you warm. But have an extra rug over the feet, which you can easily draw over you towards morning, when both the night is coldest and your vitality lowest. 3. If you still lie awake, Try the effect of some monotonous exercise, like counting sheep going through a gap, marking out a tennis court, or repeating some short and familiar form of words. 4. 
If you suspect even slight indigestion, take a little bicarbonate of soda or of potash. 5. Tell yourself quite quietly that you are going to sleep, but do not rouse yourself to see how you are getting on. 6. Eat or drink something easily digestible, rice, biscuits, or hot cocoa. 7. If all these are useless, be quite resigned. Try not to get irritated. Do not toss about if you can avoid it. Do not think about interesting things. In fact, if you cannot sleep, take as much rest as you can. Lie utterly relaxed and breathe deeply. Finally, with regard to the number of hours of sleep required, it must remain a personal question. Some people do not need more than between five or six, especially later in life. Others seem positively to need not less than eight. But the chances are that everyone requires from about five and a half to eight. Less than that minimum is probably insufficient in the long run. More than eight, probably unnecessary for anyone in good health. Nor must it be forgotten that in itself, the desire for much sleep is not a healthy sign. It may easily point to a sluggish liver. Um, uh, what? Uh, sluggish liver? Excuse me? <laughs> I would have I did have anxiety before going into sleeping before I read this book. I do now. Thank you. Eustace, I really appreciate your help. Okay, so, ironically, I was voted most likely to become a liver specialist by my 8th grade class. Don't ask me why. I may or may not have said the phrase multiple times throughout the day, it's good for your liver or it's bad for your liver, without actually knowing. So that may have been the case. But uh, I wanted to explain to you, as Dr. Phil some of the various functions of your liver and then we'll explore what sluggish liver looks like and then what are some positive you know things that you can do to replenish and reboot your liver and make it a happy healthy functioning part of your daily life to eliminate you know the possibility of a sluggish liver being the cause of you not being able to sleep at night <laughs> So, let's begin. Okay, so what are some of the functions of the liver, okay? According to John Hopkins University, it produces bile, um, which helps carry away waste, toxins. It filters toxins out of your bloodstream, you know? Um, it produces proteins for blood plasma, produces cholesterol, and other proteins to help carry fat away out of your body. You know, it converts excess glucose, um, you know, like in sugars and such, um, and to balance, to make glucose as needed, but, you know, get rid of the excess stuff. Um, regulates blood levels of the amino acids. Um, processes hemoglobin. Uh, clears the blood of drugs and other poisonous substances. <laughs> regulates blood clotting. Resists, helps resist infections by making immune factors, removing bacteria. I mean, this is 
a key part of your immune system, I would say. Um, and my favorite, it clears bilirubin um, from your body, which is from red blood cells. It's like the leftover waste from old red blood cells, which had no clue that was a thing. But uh, yeah, the more you know, bilirubin, excess waste of your blood cells. And a lot of this stuff um, that the liver takes care of helps um, you in your, uh, what's that other system? I don't know, helps with through natural means of going to the bathroom. Um, so your liver is a vital part of your body. And yes, I want to tell you about things that are good for your liver. But just a moment, what are signs of a sluggish liver? Okay, <laughs> because what, like, how do you know if you have a sluggish liver? Well, acne, skin rashes, uh, allergies, um, brain fog, depression, fatigue, feelings of overwhelming stress, headaches, mood swings, you know, common things that every human being experiences on a day-to-day -day basis. I found that information from drsarahwilliams.com. So, Sarah, thank you for, you know, validating my life to know that I probably have a sluggish liver at this point. Well, what's the solution? Um, I just don't like sitting in stuff like this. Some stuff's good to sit in, but sluggish liver, kind of want to get that one fixed. So what can you do? Well, Healthline has some better news for us, you know, who really need something to, like, put our mind at ease so we can actually sleep at night. Uh, they throw out, you know, these very, like, vague, you know, words that, like, a well-balanced diet, be physically active, eat appropriate portion sizes. Like, what does that even mean? Thank you for the clarity on that. You know, getting sufficient fiber, uh, reducing your intake of foods or drinks that are high in sugar, don't do drugs, you know, don't become an alcoholic. I don't know, like, I feel like this can be really, like, discouraging if uh, you've ever, yeah, I mean, what? Avoiding raw or undercooked shellfish? I love that one. Because how many of us, like, actually eat shellfish on a daily basis where this could actually be a problem? Like, I, maybe maybe you do. I don't know. But I'm not just, like, out there, like, hmm, you know, some lovely shellfish today. Like, I, I don't have that refined of a palate, to be honest with you. So that's not going to be good. But, you know, a more practical one, I would say, is drinking plenty of water each day. Not over-drinking water, but, you know, having that good balance there. Um, make sure you're doing your part to prevent infections, of course. You know, doing common things like, you know, washing your hands, um, covering your mouth when you sneeze. You know, very, you know, basic stuff. Make sure you're not, like, overdoing prescription medicine or or heavily relying and depending on non-essential um, pills and other, you know, doctor-prescribed drugs. So, um, 
Like, these are some ways to reboot and replenish your liver. So, I'm very concerned about having a sluggish liver, thank you very much. But, one of the things that I really appreciated, he lists a TLDR, which, that was also a very competing title for my podcast after reading this. Um, but, but, uh, because I don't, I don't TLDR, I actually read the entire thing. But, uh, one of the things he broke down that I thought was very useful was don't go don't go to bed angry or irritated or cross as he puts it because you know like that can definitely like rack you you know to just be dwelling and brooding on things you know hyperactive minds and also the other thing that I found really beneficial from his tips was you know tell your brain to sleep but don't actually try to sleep which feels impossible because it's like don't think about a polka-dotted elephant. Well, what are you all thinking about? A polka-dotted elephant. That's ridiculous. But apparently you can train your subconscious mind to prepare you for sleep without actually making you have to feel like you have to sleep at that present moment. And you can do that by, like, you know, thinking about monotonous things, counting sheep. That weird example about, you know, paint around a, a tennis field lines. Like... Who, who has time for tennis any longer? Like, what? But anyway, I'm focusing on random details. Sorry. Um, we're just going... But, like, you know, doing those types of things, um, you can also train your brain to wake up at certain times, which fascinating as well. And I think this also gets kind of into that, like, type of dream state that you can get into where you can, like, control your dreams. I really forget what that term is at the top of my head right now, but... Um, yeah, lucid dreaming, that's it. Um, wow, that was weird. Um, those types of things also really fascinating to me. But I hope you have very restful evenings tonight. Sleep well. And, you know, get up. You know, get in some good habits. And just enjoy life. And don't get upset about things that you don't need to get upset about. Just let it go. Refresh yourself. Replenish. Reboot as I like to tell people when they come to me with computer issues. So thank you all so much for listening to another episode of Reading Cadence. I'm your host, liver specialist, Dr. Phil. Um, I'm not actually, so don't actually believe me when I gave you advice on how to take care of your liver. Disclaimer. But uh, as they say in showbiz, that's all you wrote.